Hello and welcome everyone to the Public Health Friday update. My name is Cameron Brown and we're happy to have Mendocino County Health Officer Dr. Andy Korn here with us today and we'll hear the latest COVID-19 updates from him for the county. After Dr. Korn's presentation, as always, we'll take some questions from local news media and also be checking Facebook and YouTube live streams for any uh, questions from the public as well. So let's get started. I'll hand things over to Dr. Korn. Thank you. So at this point, the surge seems to be under better control. There is a fall in the numbers. Our average daily case rate this week has decreased from two weeks ago to now only 29.6 cases per 100,000 per day. And this is consistent with the uh, state trend uh, coming down. Do we have that slide to show the various counties? Uh, that's the red and blue. Here we go. This is it. That's what I was looking for. And uh, so this shows, so let's see, California is the solid blue line on the bottom. Uh, we are in the light purple uh, line on the, well, it's not quite the top. Let me get my thing out of the way here. Why can't I do that? Here we go. All right. So we're in the purple. We're sort of second from the top. Rancho is a little bit higher, higher than we are still. And that's because some of the smaller counties are still having a significant outbreak. Lake County has come down. That's the solid red. Um, and Sonoma is also significantly lower than we are and actually lower than the state is. Um, the, uh, as I said, the test positivity rate has come down to 6.5%. And it's important that the turnaround time now for those state PCR tests has come down to 92% uh, within two days. So the reporting is better and the total numbers of tests are uh, have come down a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but they're still very, very high. Um, the state also shows decreases in the cases as I was showing on this slide. And we have a decrease in isolation to 189 and quarantine, only 72 uh, people are still under quarantine. And we're currently providing food and shelter for one person. I'm sad to have to report that at this point, 86 county residents have passed away from COVID. That is six more than in the past 14 days, uh, but significantly less than we, than we had lost uh, the last time I reported. Um, you can see on the next slide, our hospitalizations have also been decreasing and we're now uh, significantly less than we were at the peak in the winter. Uh, as of October 8th, we've had nine patients in our hospitals, including three from other counties' hospitals, and they are, and that's because they're full. And additionally, there are six of our residents who are hospitalized out of county uh, because of the um, uh, acuity of the care that they needed. Our ICU availability this morning was 25%. Uh, it is still variable, but less of the people in the ICU and the hospital are uh, due to COVID illnesses. Monoclonal antibody treatments have increased in Mendocino County, and they are about 12 per week, which keeps uh, the emergency room visits and the admissions down. Uh, we also have a report on vaccinations. Uh, as of, let me just see something here. So as of uh, the 6th, our uh, total vaccinations in the county were 109,194 doses, and that is 70.2% of eligible people fully vaccinated. In California, that number is 72%, 
and if we want to look at not just the eligible population, uh, but the total population, we're at 61.4%. And as the uh, vaccinations come on board for the 5 to 11-year-olds, you'll see that number of uh, fully vaccinated people drop because the denominator will include uh, the children as well. From an equity perspective, we continue to exceed the state among the lowest resource communities and in the Hispanic population. So in quartile one, we have 79.4% fully vaccinated. In quartile two, 66.9%. This is somewhat less than the California state average for the quartile. Um, and it's unfortunate because this is the largest uh, quartile in Mendocino County. 56.3% uh, of Hispanic residents are fully vaccinated compared to 65% of the non-Hispanic white uh, population. Again, this disparity is slowly closing as more and more Hispanic uh, people are getting uh, the vaccination. Using the federal data, it appears that the American Indian community is at only 31% fully vaccinated. However, I am uh, warned that that data is, is not very reliable uh, for a number of reasons. We think that it is actually higher than that, but still there is a large disparity and we're anxious uh, to make these vaccines available to our native community. Uh, as far as age groups, those between 12 and 17 are 45.4% fully vaccinated 18 to 49 are 62.5% fully vaccinated. And these two groups are vaccinated at a lower rate than the rest of California. Whereas the 50 to 64 year old uh, population is 79.6% fully vaccinated and over 65 are 74% fully vaccinated. And that's very important because um, they are probably the most vulnerable and it's a little better than it is in California. Uh, going on to third shots and boosters, uh, these are um, increasing uh, statewide, but not an overwhelming demand has been seen either locally or statewide. The advisory agencies, FDA, Western States, and uh, CDPH will meet and might give authorization for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson uh, about October 14th and 15th, and on October 26th, they are scheduled to meet to review the, and possibly authorize the vaccinations for five to 11 year olds uh, with the Pfizer vaccine. Public health is currently working on organizing our schools and clinics and volunteers, including providers to administer these vaccines in the schools over November, November December and January. We continue to have um, regular COVID vaccine clinics at our public health centers in Willits, Fort Bragg, in addition to the Ukiah Fair Fairgrounds on Fridays. And we've had a very good turnout uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but now because of these uh, regular clinics, regular events, uh, there's consistent availability and people can either make appointments or walk in for those vaccines. The influenza season is upon us. And last year, the expected incidents and hospitalizations and deaths from influenza did not materialize. It was really an, uh, an unusually low year. <clears throat> and this might have been due to people staying at home and also masking, um, but we can't bank on that for this year. So our expectation is this year, the influenza season may be uh, very bad, certainly compared to last year. So flu vaccines are here and I'm strongly recommending people to arrange to get your vaccines 
at your provider, at the pharmacy, and in our public health clinics. The clinics will plan to hold vaccine events and have flu vaccines available at many of the COVID vaccine events, as these can now be given at the same time as uh, these two vaccines can both be given at the same time. As far as schools, um, we have had no outbreaks. Uh, this is as a result of a huge amount of work on the part of our school staff. Um, and as a result of this experience statewide, uh, CDPH has outlined some new recommendations for modified and shortened quarantines uh, to decrease the testing burdens in the schools and a shortened quarantine outside of the schools. Uh, we now have several outbreaks in the county, uh, but luckily the jail outbreak has ended and one skilled nursing facility uh, outbreak has resolved. Uh, the other skilled nursing facility is expected to wind down and probably be resolved next week. In Round Valley, the outbreak is also decreasing with fewer cases, no hospitalizations since starting the monoclonal antibodies, and uh, we're hoping that that will continue to wind down. As far as new orders go, many have asked when our restaurants and bars uh, posting orders go into effect, and that is November 1st. And we made it out that uh, far to give time for employees to get fully vaccinated. Uh, please note, it's been in the news that Los Angeles County uh, has now instituted a vaccine verification or a mandated vaccine requirement for restaurants, malls, movies, gyms, and salons. Uh, this week, we released a modification of masking orders for venues where there is 100% compliance with full vaccination of all staff, all performers and presenters and patrons. The performers or preventers, and that's only the performers and prevent presenters, may remove their masks while needed for performances. This acknowledges how many in our community have been vaccinated and allows them to safely enjoy more cultural activities. The state has announced its intention also this week to mandate vaccines for uh, those between 12 and 17 years old in schools uh, when the final FDA approval is given uh, to those vaccines. And that is expected probably uh, by January. And then the next group will be for children five years old and over. And that will probably be a mandate by the beginning of next year. The mandates are planned as well for adults in the schools uh, in those same grades. So in summary, COVID-19 Delta summer and Labor Day surges seem to be decreasing in cases, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths. I am still cautiously optimistic, but still cautious. The season ahead is high risk for increased transmission due to upcoming Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas and New Year's, and the gatherings uh, that happen during those times. We're also facing 2021 influenza season, which was mild last year, but may be worse this year. Also this year, RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is a threat mostly to the very young children and elderly, seems to be increased this year and occurring earlier. We are better vaccinated against COVID now, but there are still almost 40% of our county who are unvaccinated. So if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated as soon as you can. If you're eligible for a third shot or for a booster shot, get them. If you had Moderna or Johnson & Johnson in your primary series, watch the news for approval for these boosters probably by the end of this month. 
and we're hoping for a vaccine emergency use authorization for Pfizer for the five to 11 year old children by November. So again, please get vaccinated. They're safe and effective. They'll let us travel, enjoy ourselves and get back to, nor to normal. In the meantime, if you have symptoms, stay home, get tested, follow isolation and quarantine uh, orders. Wear masks indoors, especially indoors in public places and outdoors in crowds. If you go out to eat, keep your mask on, except when you're actually eating or drinking. And now look for those green signs that indicate that that restaurant or bar has all the staff vaccinated and only vaccinated patrons are inside. The yellow and red uh, signs will be for somewhat less compliance with those recommendations. Remember to increase ventilation and keep distances from non-household members and remember hand hygiene. For the upcoming Halloween, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos gatherings, we're recommending for costumes, be sure to use masks, but don't use decorative masks over the COVID masks or under the COVID masks. Um, enjoy pumpkin carving and other crafts, cook favorite family holiday foods, decorate, watch scary movies, enjoy virtual parties, but keep the, uh, the larger um, uh, parties to a minimum. Enjoy outdoors community decorations from a car, go to distanced hay rides and corn mazes, going out, stay in small family groups, avoid crowding with the classic trick or treat activities. Um, but if you are doing uh, uh, trick or treat activities at your home, you can pass out treats that are pre-wrapped, use tongs, or there's been ideas of hanging them up on the porch and make hand sanitizer available off, off, often. So everyone stay safe and stay well. And uh, that concludes my presentation. If there's any questions, uh, we will be happy to try and answer them. Thank you, Dr. Corin, for the update. So let's move on and shift gears, take some questions from the local media. And let's begin with the Mendocino voice. Hi, thanks for having this again. Um, I know this is something that Dr. Korn's gone over over the last couple months, but I was wondering if we could just get kind of a summary update about the booster shots right now um, and you know where what kind of availability we have for that in the county if someone wanted to go get one what they should do um, and for people that might not be eligible right now what to expect. So the boosters, remember, have been authorized only for the Pfizer vaccine. It's in the middle of October that we expect, we hope, that they will also be authorized for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. There shouldn't be a crossover. If you've had your initial series with Pfizer, then if you fulfill the uh, criteria, you'd be eligible for a Pfizer booster. Uh, we don't want to give Moderna um, um, even after October 15th to someone who's had their primary series with Pfizer. So let's keep that uh, clear. The, uh, the boosters are available after you've passed six months with your primary um, vaccination uh, and you are over 65 or live in a long-term care or skilled nursing facility. Those people should receive a booster. People who are 50 to 64 years old with underlying medical conditions that might put them more at risk should, should receive a booster. 
people who are between 18 and 49 years old who have an underlying medical condition may receive a booster. And those conditions include cancer, vascular diseases such as heart disease or stroke, diabetes, dementia, chronic lung disease, severe uh, chronic kidney disease, for example, you know, people on dialysis, uh, transplants, and people who are have primary immune suppressive disease or are taking medications that uh, cause immunosuppression. And that is most often prednisone in higher doses, but there are several other medicines that people may be on for various conditions that are immunosuppressive. People who are 18 to 49 who are at increased risk of exposure and transmission also may receive the boosters. And that would include hospital workers, skilled nursing facility, and long-term care workers, but also may include essential workers, uh, school teachers and staff, uh, and uh, both those people from uh, Health and Human Services, in-home uh, uh, in health services, and in-home support services who may not be health workers. So there are others as well. And people can check with their physicians to see if they really should get a booster. And just because it's a question that's always asked together with third shots, let me just clarify. Third shots are third shots in the primary series for those people who we really know did not have an adequate immune response with their initial two-dose series. So that's a third shot. A booster shot is people who had a good response, but their immunity from the initial vaccine series might be waning, and that's why we call it a booster. Did that answer your question? Um, yeah, I was wondering if you could just maybe clarify a little bit more. Um, so for people that maybe received Johnson & Johnson and Moderna, um, should they be expecting, you know, kind of a similar process to be unfolding over the next couple months? And, um, you know, is, is that just sort of a good, the general process that people should understand for these booster shots moving forward? as what's happening with the Pfizer rollout right now? Probably it will be. Um, I haven't heard any uh, information to the contrary, but I think we're gonna have to wait until the FDA and those bodies pass their final recommendations. I suspect it'll be very similar. Johnson & Johnson is is the one dose, and, and I'm not sure um, whether they will be uh, approved for a booster. I suspect they will, but we'll have to just see. Okay, thanks. Should we go around in a circle or? Sure, that sounds good. So we also have Mendocino Action News with us. Hello, this is Danila Sands. Thank you for having this meeting. Um, some of the questions I have, I saw an article today. I'm not sure if it was Sonoma County or San Francisco, uh, forgive me there, but they had talked about changing some masks inside orders if they could get to 80% vaccinated or lower COVID numbers. Is Mendocino County considering this type of a threshold or statistical number to go off of? Also, you mentioned 5 to 11. If that gets approved, that would change our total percent numbers. So what would that look like? So if the 5 to 11 Pfizer, when it gets approved, uh, then we, when we look at the denominator, that will increase. 
So our percent vaccination uh, will decrease. And so we'll have to look at that. And when we get to that point, then I will be very clear on how to interpret the data. But yeah, that will make a difference. Uh, the Abajo uh, Bay Area counties adopted a way of looking at the data now uh, to say, well, depending upon what metrics are achieved, uh, we may decide to drop the, the um, universal masking orders, including indoor masking orders, at a certain point in the future. I was involved in those conversations and I, and I appreciate them, but I think at this point in Mendocino County, I'm not ready to make that prediction. I wanna see what happens in the next few months of Halloween and Thanksgiving and the Christmas New Year's holidays, make sure we don't have uh, variants coming on board. I don't wanna get people's hopes up uh, and then change it. I think we're in a very different uh, group of counties up here in Northern California than they are down there. And uh, for that reason, I'm holding off. Uh, the the, the um, metrics that they gave were for a moderate uh, um, transmission rate based on the CDC values, and that would be less than 50 cases per 100,000 per week. And we're uh, clearly higher than that with 29 per day. Um, they also want to see that hospitalizations in the jurisdiction are low and stable. And that's, I will say, a fuzzy number. That's going to be a decision on the part of the, of the uh, health officers there. But we want to make sure that our hospitals are not stressed. And, uh, and the last thing is that 80% of the jurisdiction's total population would be fully vaccinated um, and or eight weeks have passed since the COVID-19 vaccination has been authorized uh, for the five to 11 years old. Those are the three criteria that they have mentioned. And uh, I think those are good criteria. I just am not ready to adopt those yet. Rancho, our Northern California Health Officer Association uh, is, is discussing them. Uh, but again, I'm, I may be a little more cautious than they are. They're also a different set of counties uh, and have generally uh, been uh, uh, a much higher vaccinated group of counties than we have been. So I don't think we're that close yet. Okay, thank you. My other question is, I believe there were some reports that we had our first pediatric case in the hospital, a child. Is there any update or further information that you're allowed to provide on that? Um, yeah, I will just say that it was a short hospitalization and the patient went home within a few days and as far as I know is doing well. Thank you. All right, thank you, Mendocino Action News. Um, how about Mendocino Voice, any, any more questions? Yeah, so I was um, hoping that you could talk a little bit about the current state of vaccine the different vaccine mandates i know this is a topic that has come up you know a lot over the last several months um but i know the county has sort of put some of those things on hold on the county level and so if you were and you also touched on sort of the new state upcoming requirements that might be kicking in in 2022 for schools and students 
So if you could just kind of give a rundown for people of where those are generally right now in terms of the different industries and requirements, that would be great. Okay, so for healthcare workers in um, hospitals and nursing homes, and there are several other um, items that are locations that are listed, uh, they will require um, and, and all already are requiring uh, verification of vaccination and with few exemptions um, that are either medical given by their provider uh, and the provider being a physician or nurse practitioner or um, physician assistant who's working under the uh, a provider, an MD or a DO. Um, and the other exemption would be for uh, religious um, belief uh, that uh, those people would be exempt. So the healthcare industry uh, is covered by those state mandates. I uh, released a mandate for um, emergency medical technicians, EMTs, law and fire, uh, that they should also, uh, each agency go through uh, assessing who is vaccinated, verifying who is vaccinated. And for those people who are not fully vaccinated, they should have regular tests to show that they don't carry the disease to the people that they're caring for. The testing requirement uh, came into a, um, um, a roadblock because the rapid tests have become scarce nationwide and also in California. So, uh, so a lot of that has been delayed. The other orders that uh, I released were for um, employers to do a similar vaccine verification or um, testing. And uh, the county uh, began to embark on that, but again, because the vaccine, because of uh, testing scarcity, uh, that has been uh, slowed down and delayed. I think as soon as we have more, then we'll go forward ahead with that. Um, I released a recommendation recently based on guidances and the guidance were that was that for restaurants and bars uh, that um, uh, employees should all be vaccinated uh, unless exempt um, and then all the patrons who wanted to eat inside should also be vaccinated that was made into a recommendation uh, but we have also released an order including those recommendations that for those uh, restaurants and bars who are doing all of that, in other words, the, the um, employees are vaccinated and only people inside, only people who are vaccinated are allowed inside as patrons, they will hang up a green uh, poster, a green circle poster, and that will begin in, uh, in a month. Uh, those who are insisting that their employees are uh, verify vaccine or do regular testing, uh, they would hang up a yellow sign. And for those who are not complying with either of those recommendations, they would hang up a red sign. And the purpose of that was for uh, transparency and for consumers to be able uh, to protect themselves to the level that they wanted to protect themselves. Teachers have been, um, have been uh, vaccinated and uh, it's becoming more of a requirement with less these orders that I was talking about, the, the uh, federal government came across and the, I'm sorry, the state government came across with uh, this past week is that it will be more of a requirement with less exemptions 
once the um, once the vaccinations receive full approval, not just the emergency use approval. And then teachers and staff will have a, a more full requirement uh, rather than just testing out. Uh, and of course, the student when the students have to uh, get vaccinated, uh, then the teachers in those age groups will have to be vaccinated. I think I've covered all of it, but I'm not sure. Um, does anyone have I left anyone anything out that that I might have skipped? Sorry. I think that's it. Oh, no, the federal government is also saying that for uh, federal workers, there will be a vaccine mandate. I don't think that's uh, been published yet. And that also businesses that employ more than 100 employees will be required to be vaccinated. And those haven't been published yet, uh, but the president has announced that that's his intention. Okay, thank you. Um... A lot, more man, a lot more mandates are coming down the pike. I think you've probably heard I mentioned in the presentation that in Los Angeles, um, they are requiring uh, uh, vaccinations uh, to go into many uh, enterprises. And, uh, and that's true in San Francisco as well. Uh, so it's becoming uh, much more necessary to be vaccinated to really enjoy uh, the lives we want to enjoy. Oh, I should say, I also modified a masking order this past week. And that is, I, I mentioned it in the presentation, that for those venues where the staff, the performers or presenters, and all of the audience, everybody in the building is vaccinated, then in those situations where the presenter or performer needs to take off their mask at a certain time, they can do so. And, uh, and then they would put it back on. And they need to create, they need to maintain some spacing from the audience and as much as possible between each other during that time. We wanna get our community back to a, a more normal uh, situation, um, but we wanna do it slowly and carefully. Okay, great. Th thanks for summarizing that all together. I think that's helpful. I have more questions, but I'll go, I'll wait till see if there's time, so. Okay, thank you, Mendocino Voice. And uh, if you have any more questions, please go ahead for Mendocino Action News. Thank you. Uh, so leading off of that, Dr. Corn, you talked about getting back to normal. I know this may seem like a silly question to some. For others, they had a lot of anxiety with this. Is it safe to hug people now? You know, if you're if you're touching your close, and if you're not in the same household, it's probably not advisable. Okay, so you're saying if you're not in the same household, even though it's less than that 15 minutes, it's still not advisable. Yeah, because the touch is is significant, and the six feet 15 minutes is you know a threshold if you're at normal. Uh, conversational distances, but if you're closer, then there's going to be a higher dose. And I don't think that hugging is a great thing at this point. I think that, you know, bumping knuckles and, and elbows like we've been doing is probably the safest thing to do. Okay, thank you. My other question, um, last time we had talked a couple weeks ago, I'd asked for the total school cases, and you said 25. 
I'm still a little confused on that because when you go to the public dashboards on UUSD and River Oak Charter School for another, um, it was over 25 and that's all, you know, public information. Uh, River Oak, I believe had 11 in two weeks. So that would leave 14 for all others. Um, has that number been updated and what would cause your number to be lower than the school's number that they're providing to the public? Is there such things as false positives or other information that might have skewed those numbers? Yeah, so what we have now is 33 exposure events since the beginning of the pandemic. And those include confirmed events where people have been tested with a PCR. Otherwise, we, we haven't been counting the, uh, the Binax now. There's enough uncertainty. Um, and I, I don't know how the individual schools have been doing it, uh, but they're supposed to report to us and then we confirm uh, with the PCR tests. Just to, just to add a little little bit, I, I think um, that number on the USD is going to be higher than our number, and I believe they're including um, the antigen test kits that are positive, and we are not including that in our count. Correct. That's the Bionex kits? Yes. yes. And why would we not count that? It's not as, it's not as um, accurate as the PCR tests. <clears throat> there are more false positives and false negatives especially when people are asymptomatic. So somebody that is concerned or gets a positive on that should follow it up with OptumServe? Yeah. yeah, they could have followed up at OptumServe. Uh, if it's in the schools, um, they're usually referred to a clinic or the OptumServe, uh, especially if they have symptoms. So if a person has a antigen test, and it is not consistent with uh, the what we call pretest probability. If they have uh, symptoms and they have a negative Binex test, then we would want them to get tested with PCR. If they have no symptoms, but they're in the context of a, a close contact who is a positive close contact, or they're a con close contact of a positive, and it's negative, um, then we would want to confirm that it's negative before we expose them to other people who are still negative. That's why we have two different tests. They have two different uses. Thank you for that. For the, that really helped a lot. Thank you for all that. And thank you, Mendocino Action News. Uh, let's head back to Mendocino Voice. It sounds like there's a few more questions. Yeah, so I was wondering, um, this is sort of a combined question, but if you could, there definitely was an uptick in the number of COVID fatalities that involve vaccinated people recently. Um, and, you know, accordingly, the booster shots are sort of being explained as helpful due to waning vaccination. And so I know we've gotten sort of a lot of questions just from people along these lines of how to really understand this idea that you know people may still be dying from covid even if they're vaccinated or you know that vaccination efficacy might wane over time so i don't know if you can sort of just speak to those issues generally or sort of provide context for people to know how to understand uh, those things as they come up i will try so 
We did have a number of people who died in the last, I think it was four weeks. And I um, looked at the numbers who uh, were, had been vaccinated compared to those who were not vaccinated. Let's see if I can find that. The, the uh, ages of the people who were vaccinated and passed away uh, were in the range of 68. And um, when they were not vaccinated, the mortality age was an average of, I'm sorry, when they were vaccinated was more like 88. So it was very protective, but it's, but at the older ages, you would expect many more comorbidities and you might expect a lower um, immunity in that group because of their age and because they may not have res responded as well to the vaccinations. And, and that's why we're doing third shots in many people who are older and have uh, other comorbidities. And we're doing boosters in those people who are older and even the younger people who have comorbidities. So the, the vaccinations are not 100%. And I think we've gone over this before. As the community is more vaccinated, we're gonna have more, we've called it uh, breakthrough in the past. We've tried to change that to post-vaccination infections. We're gonna have more but they are generally not uh, as sick as people who've been vaccinated. So when I looked at this, I wanted to see, well, my, go my goodness, it does look like people are dying post-vaccination with COVID. And why was that? Well, it's a combination of factors. And I think that's the easiest, clearest way to explain it. Um, but, the, but the vaccination definitely gives a huge amount of protection. Did that answer your question? Yes, I think so. I think I just sort of wanted to give you an opportunity to clarify any questions that you know might be out there sort of along these lines. I think it's not always an easy thing for people to get their heads around to really understand how those vaccines are working and in these different contexts. So, um, you know, if there's anything else that you think would be useful for people to understand, I was just hoping to kind of touch on that subject generally. You know, we do have a couple of slides. I don't know if Kirk, can you bring up those slides um, from this week's uh, epi briefing that we had? Uh, yeah, just slide four and slide five, I think would be great to show. And you're looking for slide four. And I need to do a screen share. Uh, I think this is the one you're looking for, right? Yes, it is. So this is cases. Um, yeah, here we go. So among the unvaccinated, we had a huge rise of uh, cases uh, in the last month or so of those people who were vaccinated, uh, unvaccinated. And we had a small bump of those people who were vaccinated. And the difference in September was the people who were not vaccinated were almost eight times more likely to get COVID than fully vaccinated people. If we go to the next slide, slide number five, it shows unvaccinated people were 16.3 times more likely to die from COVID-19 than fully vaccinated people, which is the blue line on the bottom. There's a huge protection from the vaccination. 
Yeah, there are other questions that have been raised and are raised in the community about uh, post-infection immunity. And um, we've been talking about that among the health officers a great deal because it is a concern in the community. The post-infection immunity is not felt to be reliable. And in some people, they will have some post-infection reinfections within the 90 days. And that's significantly different than vaccination, um, post-vaccinations, um, but it happens. But certainly after 90 days, the, um, the protection that's given from a prior infection is not nearly as good as having had a vaccination. So when people have had an infection, our advice has been, you can get a vaccination right after you recover, or you could wait a month or two. And we don't advise getting tested within that 90 day period of time. But certainly after or close to the 90 days approaching, my recommendation is strongly to get vaccinated. The, the um, immunity from the, uh, from the infection is not nearly as great as the immunity and the long lasting immunity from the present vaccines that we have. Okay, thank you. I think that that additional part is really helpful for people to understand in terms of immunity in general. Yeah. And Mendocino Action News, are there any more questions on your end? Yes, I have one last question. Do we have an updated list on employment places that are now requiring um, staff or students to uh, be vaccinated, not just vaccinated and testing. I know that we had healthcare workers and federal employees, some colleges, if not all, are requiring their students. Uh, recently added to the list, I believe, is IHSS. Uh, Mendocino County was issued something stating if they don't get vaccinated, they can no longer work as an IHSS employee. IHS in-home support services. And um, I have not seen that they are excluded. I know that they're added to the uh, vaccine, one of the vaccine rules. Uh, there is an, a, a concern about that because IHSS workers are employed by the people they care for. So they're employed by uh, their clients. And um, we're trying to encourage the clients to encourage their IHSS employees to all get vaccinated. But I, I don't think that we can say they, they can't work in that regard. It also doesn't apply, and that, that comes from, this comes from the state, it also doesn't apply to support services are, who are family members or just taking care of one person who's a family member or if they're live-in, I think that's what it was, live-in. And, and then do you have like an updated list? Is there other people being, or places of employment added to this? You have to get vaccinated or else list? Yeah, no, we've, in the county, we've made a recommendation that employers adopt those, uh, those rules, but we have not mandated that they have to do that. We've made a very strong recommendation. Okay, thank you. All right, let's take a couple of questions from Facebook. The first is, where are booster doses available? 
Oh, very good question. So booster doses are available at your primary care provider. And many of the clinics are having clinic events or yeah, clinic events to give out all those doses. And they're also available at our county uh, events at uh, uh, in Fort Bragg on, I may get this wrong, I think it's Tuesdays. And in um, Willits, I think is Mondays and Wednesdays. And for sure at the fairgrounds on Fridays. And as always, uh, our website, mendocinocounty.org slash COVID-19 has all of those locations listed as well as times and addresses. And don't forget about vaccines.gov. Vaccines.gov will have every pharmacy that has a COVID-19 vaccine available. And uh, you can see if the pharmacy right down the street from you has the vaccine available. And that is available for a booster or a third shot as well. Thanks, it's very important. I left out the pharmacies and they're doing a yeoman's job uh, of giving out vaccines. So check with your pharmacy. Thank you. Let me just bring up the second question here. Do you believe prevention, and the example given here is, uh, is diet, is the best way to reduce deaths? So maybe to paraphrase, um, is, a, is healthy lifestyle, how does that affect how deadly COVID is? We don't have any data about that. In general, a healthy lifestyle is a healthy lifestyle. And, uh, you know, we usually, we do have data about healthy lifestyles and heart disease, uh, some kidney problems, uh, lung problems, other vascular problems. There's a lot of things that healthy lifestyles and eating uh, can improve. Uh, but we don't have any data uh, to say that this food or that food will decrease the severity or the mortality of COVID. That just doesn't exist at this point. Thank you, Dr. Corin. And we still have a few minutes left. So Mendocino Voice or Mendocino, well, let's go for Mendocino Voice. Do you have any more questions? Sorry, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm having a little bit of a connection difficulty. Uh, so sorry, sorry about the lag. Um, I was wondering if Dr. Corin could sort of speak to ways that he thinks you know we might want to continue certain practices that have been put into place during the pandemic uh, towards sort of greater public health information or um, you know if for the coming flu season if sort of if he was willing to speak to kinds of things that people might want to consider adopting, uh, even as the cases decline here in Mendocino County. I don't, I know we talked a little bit about flu season um, and other types of viruses that might be resurging this fall. Um, so you could elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I will give a freely a big boost to masking. I know it's kind of a pain in the neck. Nobody likes, or very many people don't like it but uh, it's very effective for COVID, which is an airborne virus. Uh, but flu is actually a droplet-borne virus and maskings are very effective against that. So in some, in some cultures, you know, come the flu season, you'll see lots of people who are wearing masks when they're out and about. Uh, in our culture, that's not been done. And of course, there's been a lot of backlash against requiring it. Uh, but it's, it's an excellent way to prevent uh, influenza and other droplet-borne um, infections. 
of course, washing hands is is also very uh, very good. It turned out early early on in the COVID epidemic, we thought there was a lot more transmission from uh, surfaces, and it turns out that that was less true. It still is potential, um, but where it's very true is influenza and many of the other viral illnesses. So washing hands frequently is a good thing. Keeping our distances. Uh, I think as COVID winds down, we're gonna wanna be a little bit closer. We've already relaxed some of that within the schools because of the other layers of protection that seem to be doing well and the importance of having children in school and only be able to fit them in our schools and in our school buses if they're closer. And that hasn't led to a huge increase as long as we maintain good ventilation. So being outdoors and getting good ventilation is another way to keep uh, general viruses at bay. Uh, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, so the masks, make sure we get our, our influenza vaccines each year. Make sure you do that, that's important. And, um, you know, I think when people are sick, you wanna take care of, uh, of a little bit more hand washing and, um, and cleaning surfaces and separating. These infectious diseases, you know, travel through the air and travel through uh, surfaces and stuff like that. Um, I remember decades ago when a friend of mine who was a nurse said she grew up in a home where if somebody was sick, uh, they had their own separate set of utensils. So they basically were, were um, doing sort of a soft quarantine at that point for people who just had colds in the house. And she felt that that was very effective. But I think those are the common sense things to do. And of course, somebody brought up diet. I think eating a good balanced diet is always good. Um, exercise uh, is good. And, uh, and I should say that uh, smoking definitely contributes to more disease. Um, Respiratory diseases is the obvious one, but heart disease and there are many other diseases, cancer and so on and so forth, that are worse with uh, cigarette smoking. So that's those are sort of general ideas about prevention. I guess actually just to follow up on that really quickly, um, in along the lines of just kind of practical day-to-day activities if people this fall you know um with the likelihood that there may be much a more severe flu season what should people do you know if they feel like they're coming down with something um whether or not it you know they might not know at that moment in time what exactly their symptoms match up with what are you know now that we may not just be looking at covid in the mix what are sort of a good things for people to do starting in that circumstance just quickly well, I think what we've learned also is that when you're sick, we used to be sort of complacent about if you had the sniffles or you thought you had allergies, you'd go into work anyway. And that was, you know, that was favorable from the point of view of employers. And, and we, those of us who are very dedicated to our work wanted to do it. I think now we want to back away from that. We want to say, if you're sick, stay home until you're sure you don't have COVID. And I think as COVID uh, falls into the background, we're still going to be more concerned about people coming in with even mild symptoms. They should really check themselves. Um, and it may be to stay home for a day or so if they have a high fever or other symptoms. Um, they may be wanting to wear masks all the time. Uh, and this is after, of course, now they have to inside, uh, but they may wanna wear masks later on after the COVID uh, epidemic pandemic is behind us. 
we still want to think about our communities and what might we be passing along to them. Okay, thank you. All right, and Mendocino Action News, do you have any more questions? I'm okay, thank you. All right, looks like we have maybe one more from Facebook. Oh, specifically for Halloween, why is it a bad idea to wear a decorative mask over a COVID mask? Well, we try not to mix those masks because of difficulty breathing. And we don't want to mask a decorative mask under a COVID or a medical mask because it, it uh, decreases the contact of the mask to the skin. And so it doesn't protect as much. But not wearing a decorative mask over another mask, the, other, the decorative mask doesn't give protection, but it could uh, compress or distort the medical mask. And it could also uh, pose a hazard in terms of breathing, especially in young children. Thank you, Dr. Coyne. It looks like one more. You may have already addressed this, but could you get a booster and a flu shot at the same time? Yes, yes. Actually, since the age of COVID, we've realized that a lot of the prohibitions of mixing uh, medications or vaccinations at, on the same day or close to them are probably um, um, overreactions. And we can mix any, we can give the COVID with any of the other vaccinations uh, that we need to receive. And most of them we can, re we can receive together as well. Great. And I just want to make sure, Mendocino Voice, were there any more questions from your end? I know that uh, Governor Newsom just announced some additional financial relief packages for uh, small businesses. And so I guess I, my question is sort of whether or not, aside from approvals of vaccines for either booster shots or for um, students or you know children of younger ages, if there's any um, either, you know, local or statewide or even federal changes or packages or expectations related related to COVID that Dr. Corrin thought would be good for people to be aware might be coming? Well, I think people should be aware that um, if they have to go through quarantine or isolation and have difficulties with food or with shelter, they can call the Department of Public Health and we can usually uh, help them with that. Uh, there are other uh, grants that are available for certain other kinds of uh, assistance. Uh, as far as getting vaccinated when it's required uh, by a uh, business, uh, then the time off that you take to get the vaccination and potentially any recovery from the vaccination uh, are to be reimbursed by the employer, part of the um, um, sick pay. So those, those benefits are still around. Um, I don't know very much more about uh, um, uh, considerations for other financial packages to help people out. Uh, I know there's uh, have been a big concern <clears throat> about uh, the moratorium on rent relief and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I wa watched that with uh, a lot of angst because I think a lot of people who have not been able to work to make their rent uh, might become homeless in the next couple of months. And I'm, I'm very scared about that. 
And you you would anticipate um, people seeing increasing vaccine mandates or requirements in certain environments moving forward as well, probably, right? Oh yeah, I, I think that's gonna be, I mean, as we've had enough experience that the folks in the Food and Drug Administration can say this is safe as well as effective uh, and give it a full authorization, I think that the schools will, will mandate it for children and staff and many businesses will do it as well. The numbers will come down and we can return back to a more normal life. I think that we're thinking now that we're not gonna wipe COVID out completely. It'll be what they call endemic, one of those illnesses like you know, the flu in the, in the, in the uh, fall and winter that we, it may be uh, influenza, but it may be what we call the flu. Uh, there are many things like that. We, we know that they circulate in the community, but we live with it. At this point, COVID is not at that point. Uh, we wanna get it to where having a COVID uh, illness doesn't put you in the hospital. And, uh, and for those people who it does put in the hospital, there will be hospital capacity to take care of people. Looking forward to getting to that point. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> thanks. All right, well, it's getting close to three o'clock. So I wanna give Dr. Korn a chance to give any closing comments he might have. Well, we've covered a lot today and we've been through a lot in the last year. Um, certainly the last few months, we've seen a surge in cases and we seem to be coming out of that. Upcoming this fall, we have all these holidays, times for gathering, times for happiness. I want people to be happy, but I want people to be healthy as well. And so make sure you're vaccinating, you're doing the, uh, the uh, non-pharmacologic uh, preventive measures that we've talked about, and also to keep any parties as small as possible. And if you can, within your, within your social groups, to keep it to people who are vaccinated, it is much safer to do it with people who are vaccinated. If you're traveling, again, being vaccinated makes travel much safer, much more accessible. If you're eating out or you're doing other kinds of recreational activities, doing them vaccinated will be much less risky than if you're not vaccinated. So now is the time to get vaccinated. Uh, and as we get into the time when we can give children vaccines and then boosters and second shots, uh, the more people are vaccinated, the safer our entire community will be. And the sooner we can look at COVID pandemic as an endemic entity that yes, we have it, but we live with it. And not everybody is gonna be threatened or quarantined or isolated if they get it, we'll, we'll know how to deal with it. So again, get vaccinated, watch those um, you know, non-pharmacologic interventions and apply them uh, all to our celebrations this fall. Thank you, Dr. Corin, and thanks everybody who listened and participated today. We'll have the next update in two weeks. So that's Friday, October 22nd at 2 p.m. And in the meantime, you can check for updates on the Facebook page or the Mendocino County COVID web pages. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.